Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, where we are set to continue our reflections into this new topic of Catholic musings. But before I do so, I do want to first welcome all of you who are taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in to Seeds of Truth. If you are listening to this by way of podcast, I want to welcome you as well, especially if you are listening outside the state of California or for that matter, the United States, if you're listening in Mexico, Canada, I see uh, countries listening in South America, as well as Europe and Western Europe, France, Portugal, Spain, Italy. I see folks listening in Africa as well. Uh, Welcome all of you to this evening where we reflect on more or less what has touched me this week. Um, Now, what is becoming typical of our new Friday evening together, Catholic Musings, is a question from the previous week that precedes the principal reflection for the evening. And and here again, we have another question. Last week, I talked about my biological fatherhood as a prism to better understand the fatherhood of God and my sonship in Christ. This discussion was driven by the words of Superman from the movie Superman Returns. When looking upon his son, he said, The son becomes the father and the Father becomes the Son. So in principle, the idea there, or at least as I was interpreting it and and internalizing it for me, was once Superman became a father, he better understood what it meant to be a son. And for me, as a son of God, and as a father of four back in 2006, you know, just having had my first child, this had a huge impact on me. Suddenly, all of my experiences as a father became a new way for me to better understand God the Father. Okay, So out from this reflection, you asked, can we extend the idea into our everyday experiences? Which is to say, as I read the question, can all of our experiences help us to better understand the faith? And my answer to that is emphatically yes. Emphatically yes. I would ask all of you the question, how did Jesus go about teaching the faith, but by meeting us where we are at in our everyday experience, huh? I mean, all of his parables and analogies were about teaching into our uh, lived experience. I mean, tenants and sowers and, and sheep and vineyards and coins and family relationships and so on and so forth. Jesus went into our everyday life to teach us about life eternal. So we have to first, uh, first establish that from the outset as I seek to respond to your question. You know, we, we have the tendency today, I think, and this has probably been the case for the past 2,000 years, to look for the extraordinary solutions to our problems in the ordinary. You know, we look around for miracles, we look around for something amazing to happen out there, we look around 
unfortunately, for a magical solution to the mess of our lives, to the problems that we are going through, when in fact the Lord desires that we take the little things in life and offer them to God, taking ordinary responsibilities and imbuing them with great love. This is what the saints of church history past have taught us, right? I mean, from St. Francis de Sales to St. Joseph Morello to St. Therese of Lisieux, this call to live life with confidence and love. You know, we so often are busy discerning the next thing that we think God wants us to do, that what we miss is the very thing before us to imbue that very thing, that, that very act, that very encounter with love. We all have, you know, states of vocation, whether it's to be religious, married, and certainly in our advocation, whether it be, be a teacher, an engineer, you know, etc., etc. But whatever we do, whatever we do, we are called to imbue that doing with love. Love is an action verb, and we need to take Christ into what we do, and we can only do that if we are right with God. And so as you ask me the question, which is more or less, can all of our experiences help us to better understand the faith? Yes, to the degree that we're open to understanding that God desires to reveal himself in each and every concrete moment. You've heard me say it before that every moment, every circumstance is pregnant with eternal significance, charged with divine circumstance. So this leaves us with the challenge to look at our own lives. How often do we look for extraordinary experiences? How often do we cry out to God for some immediate quick fix to our problems, for divine intervention that is magnificent and out of this world and beyond our ordinary experience? When in fact God can work through the ordinary experience of our lives, in the gift of faith and prayer. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God is inviting us to discover him in the small moments of our lives, in the relationships he has allowed, in the joys and sorrows that we experience, in the sufferings and trials we endure, as well as the blessings. Okay, so rather than seek out something extraordinary all the time, work to be obedient, even when it seems to be simple, even when it seems to be too ordinary. Be content with God's subtle revelations. Rejoice in those revelations in the ordinary circumstance. No matter the case, my friends, like Christ, be obedient in all circumstances, which is to say, listen to God in all circumstances and respond in faith. And here, I might put a plug in for next Thursday's um, program, or maybe two Thursdays from now, in our study on the book of Exodus. Andrew is going to join me next week, the station manager, as we uh, talk about uh, the opening chapter to the book of Exodus, as well as the opening verses to chapter 2. In two weeks, I'm going to spend some time in chapter 2, verse 11, reflecting into a verse that often goes overlooked. Uh, which is a verse that kind of skips over 40 years of Moses' life. We have the tendency to look at Jesus' life after the first 30 years, right? When the first 30 years were pretty important. 
So in two weeks, we're going to talk about the virtue of living in anonymity to the degree that we are called to embrace the sacred moment that no one sees. Uh, because for sure, there was a lot of sacred moments in the life of Moses that no one saw. All right, that was just a plug for the program two weeks from now. All that being said, let us now take up my principal Catholic musing for the evening, one that has us reflecting upon the Holy Spirit. And as we uh, kickstart this musing, we do so with a question. What do you think of when you first hear the word dynamite? That's right, dynamite. What do we think of? Maybe we think of the demolition of structures. Maybe we think of, I don't know, gunpowder sticks. Maybe we think of a movie that features that, that nitroglycerin-based explosive. It's interesting for myself, if I'm going to be honest with you, I will never be able to remove that fictional character from uh, Good Times, J.J. Evans, played by Jimmy Walker. You know, he used to walk into the, to the room and, and, and yell, Dynamite. I, I can never get that of, out of my head. You know, it will always be the first thing I think logged into my mind and memory. But, my friends, more than just a, a sitcom superlative, the origin of Dynamite and why this is relevant to our discussion this evening, is most intriguing. You know, dynamite was patented by the Swedish chemist Alfred Nobel, who coined the term dynamite from the ancient Greek word dynamis, which means power. So dynamite and power go hand in hand, of course. You hear dynamite go off and you think of power, right? Here, my friends, what I want us to see is that what is true of the natural world can help us gain insight into the world of the supernatural. In religious circles, we often use the word dynamic when we experience someone or encounter someone who is unique and, and maybe lively in their presentation and teaching style. The word dynamic comes from the same root to that as dynamite, which speaks to what but the force like that of a mighty wind, per se. The people during Jesus' time experience, experienced par excellence this, this dynamis, huh? uh, this force of a mighty wind. If you were to go to the Gospel of Mark, in the opening chapter to the Gospel of Mark, Christ is teaching in the synagogue. And the people were, uh, what, astonished. Astonished as he taught with one who had authority, uh, and not as the scribes, right? The question we are made to ask is, where does the authority come from? But of course, the divine authority of God himself. Christ speaks with authority because his words are spirit-filled, powerful, and effective. They actually do what they say. Christ is the Word incarnate. In the account of the Ascension, Jesus promises his followers that they would receive, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness to his saving love. Now, it's interesting because in this passage, the term power comes from the Greek dunamis, which is a cognate of the aforementioned dynamis. At Pentecost, my friends, spiritual dynamite went off as a sound come from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind. That's Acts 2, verse 2. By the way, 
the sound here was that like of a thunderous clapping noise. What is that echo but the fiery descent of God on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus? Incidentally, another word used for power in sacred scripture is energia. What does that sound like? But energy, the love we receive and the power of the Holy Spirit is like a force of energy, my friends. A force of energy putting into motion the very life of God into what we do and what we say. Now, of course, this act of power is what we receive in the sacrament of confirmation, our own Pentecost. In the sacrament of confirmation, the gifts we receive at baptism are stirred by a new energy in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that empower us to live a more dynamic life in and for God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have been given a power in the Holy Spirit. Let us take the power like in dynamite that we have received in the Holy Spirit and proclaim the potency of God's great love. In this power, I think we will discover the true meaning of speaking and acting under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And as one preacher put it, what it means to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit, inebriated in the Holy Spirit. Maybe... You are one who is a quote-unquote control freak, someone who likes to be in power. Well, if you like to be in power, then be in the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Amen? Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.